Hey y'all, it's Matt Shy Guy City Murray, and we're back, baby. It's the January 19th episode. It is January 19th, we're not recording this a different time, uh, of the Weekly Diversion Podcast, as part of the Critical Diversions Podcasting Network. No, just kidding, we're not a network. We're not a media conglomerate or anything. I'm just a dude sitting in this apartment, and I, I put out a couple podcasts a month, <laughs> is basically all this. Um, speaking of podcasts, yeah, it's, it's been a while, right? It's been a while since we've, since we've talked, you and I, just you and I. I really missed us. How's it going, stranger? Um, yeah, it's been a while since we did one of these normally. Um... Last week we had the Game of the Year podcast, which kind of replaced doing a weekly show because my wife was on vacation. And the week before that, I convinced my wife to come on and do a special one of these. we got to talk about both of them. Let's just go for it. Um, I like doing these debriefs of the special special episodes of the podcast. Um, I guess I'll start with the one from two weeks ago where my wife was on. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks to everyone that reached out. Got quite a few compliments on that episode. Uh, for one, it was really fun. <laughs> uh, never gotten to podcast with someone like in the same room before. Uh, I've only been doing this for like still less than a year, which is weird to think about. Um, yeah, just how much better conversation can flow when you don't have like a delay over a video call and stuff. That was nice. Uh, it's very fun for me, at least, to do that uh, with my wife. Uh, I, I I knew I wanted to get her on at least one of these uh, at some point. I really wanted her to come on the Game of the Year episode as well, but she she wasn't interested. I kid you not. It it took uh, <laughs> it took weeks of convincing to get her to come on that episode, and uh, the the answer was going back and forth like every time I asked. To the point where I had to be like, okay, just answer me yes or no. Are, are you coming on? And she, she finally said yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. She, I don't think she likes podcasts that much. I mean, I, I know, I can tell you for a fact, she doesn't listen to any podcast. Um, I think the only podcast she's ever listened to is the one when she was visiting America once. Uh, and we were driving to visit my mom. We listened to, I made her listen to... That makes it sound like I'm a bad person forcing my wife to <laughs> listen to to podcasts. Uh, I forced my wife to listen to a couple of Reply All episodes on the way to my mom's. And she, she seemed to like it, but she never brought it up or like brought the idea of listening to podcasts up again, which, which is fine. I don't mind listening to podcasts being like a thing I do while doing stuff around the, the apartment or whatever. It's fine, but... Um, it's okay to have my own thing. But yeah, I, I think she do, isn't that interested in the format. And she doesn't like... She thinks that she sounds dumb. I, I, I've i had to tell her repeatedly. Like, hey, during that conversation, I could tell we had something going. And then I listened to it myself. And it's really good. And then I've gotten compliments from other people. But, uh, you know, she's the type of person that she will find ways to dismiss herself 
uh, dismiss what the good things other people are saying about her, that kind of, which I understand I'm the same way to a certain degree, too. Um, she thinks she sounds dumb. Uh, she's very, very, very self-conscious about her English. And as someone that can speak an, I don't, I don't want to say okay amount. I could speak a bare minimum amount of German. Um, I am very self-conscious of my German. So I understand where she's coming from, but what she doesn't understand is that like, she's been gravity training on the way to Namek by living with me. Uh, a lot of specific compliments, right? Her English is so fucking good. And yeah, it is. Uh, her English is already pretty damn good before we met. Um, God, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now. Um, but especially like talking to me every day for the last like seven of those 10 years. Uh, yeah, her English is pretty good. She's got a lot of like American slang in there <laughs> that you don't hear around Germany, despite the fact that so many Germans do speak basically perfect English, um, because I say a lot of dumb shit around the house. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to ramble too long about that, but it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to have her come on. Um, I still would like to try and get her to come on again after the first Nintendo Direct of the year. It would be fun just to have her come on after every Nintendo Direct, but I don't think I'm going to be able to pull that off. Um, but I, I will try. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I know, genuinely, I know other people thought it was fun, too. Uh, you liked her stories about her playing games with her dad and stuff. They are very fun stories. There's a story we didn't get to. Well, there's two things we didn't get to. Uh, one was... My favorite story of her playing games with her dad is uh, them playing the original Legend of Zelda together, and I forget what it is, what it was. Like, there's a specific, you know, the old man telling you things, um, like giving you cryptic hints because there can only be like one line of text <laughs> in the game at a time, and it's poorly translated and whatever. And her dad doesn't speak English. Um, and she was, you know, in grade school and, and learning a little bit of English here and there. And again, I forget what clue it was, but she at school that day, she learned what the word was that her and her dad didn't know that the old man in the cave was saying. And she like ran home to tell her dad, like, dad, it, it means this. Uh, and then they were able to progress that way, which that that's really fucking cool. Uh, that's also just like that's such a look into like a different time period in the past in a different culture you know because yeah most first party game in fact i think basically no first party games back then got localized like it, they were basically all in english um she was also telling me the other day i forget why but that when they were kids like all of her classmates and stuff they called super mario bros super mario bras because they don't, they didn't understand what bros meant. So it was just like, yeah, it's English, Super Mario Bros. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Um, I did want to mention, uh, yeah, we, so I didn't take any show notes and that episode was kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Um, literally on our break, our coffee break was when I made that impromptu list of games that were coming out. And we forgot so many things like the thousand year door remaster and stuff. Um, I forgot to make a note of Seth's question uh, that he asked in the Discord, and I won't I won't answer it myself here because I know he's heard the answer before, but he was looking to hear my wife's version of the story. Um, I'll the next time she's on, I will 
hopefully remember <laughs> to, to bring it up. Um, I brought it up with her after the fact. She, she doesn't really view it as that interesting of a story anyway. So I don't think, Seth, you would have gotten that like different of a any kind of insight into it i guess um to her it's just a thing that happened like yeah it's funny but it isn't like i don't know it isn't like magical <laughs> in the way that i kind of view it and i think you and other people kind of view it to her it's just like yeah it's a crazy coincidence but that's what happened you know um so i don't think you would have gotten any like prescient insight into that that you don't already have but I will try and remember to to ask her that the next time she's on. Hopefully soon. Hopefully we get a direct pretty soon and I can convince her to come on. Uh, but yeah, that was the episode two weeks ago. And then last week, uh, she was still on vacation and didn't want to come back on the podcast. So we skipped a weekly podcast, but we did do our Game of the Year podcast last week. And that was me, Boogs, Wilk, and Seth uh, talking about, well, we revealed the top 10 games as voted on by our discord um as well as like 30 something other games we talked about every game that was sent in even just for a moment um it's our longest podcast episode by a very de decent chunk it's over three hours long uh that was a lot of fun i was also drinking and listening back to it i, I can hear in my voice <laughs> that i was drinking um but yeah it was just fun uh Especially for me, getting 30XX and Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe on there. Beautiful. Can't complain. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about it uh, aside from, yeah, go listen to it. Uh, it's gotten a lot more listens than I was expecting. I don't know. People are just hungry for that game of the year content or end of the year roundup content. Um, but yeah, for a podcast being over three hours long, it's... Uh, it's skyrocketed. It's like our third most listened to episode. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I don't have too much else to say about that besides go listen. It was a fun time, uh, on the critical diversions, Twitter, that's at crit underscore diversions. Um, I did reveal the, the list, our top 10 list. If you don't want to, um, listen to a three hour podcast, I don't know why you're here if that's the case, but, um, as well as all the individual uh, people who voted all of their individual game of the year lists that they sent to me. Just made that with uh, topsters.org. I think Jason retweeted it and was like, thanks for the cool graphic, which, yeah, no problem, but that's just, it, I didn't do anything. I just plugged it into topsters.org. <laughs> um, it's, it's a nice way to visualize stuff like that. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. But I think that's all we have to catch up on. I was more excited to debrief on, on the wife episode of the podcast. Uh, let's talk about some games. Oh, I guess one more thing. We're going to try and do the Yakuza Like a Dragon meetup next week. Um, I'm pretty close to the end of the game. I think I'm going to try and finish that this weekend. And if not, maybe I'll just watch the final cutscene or whatever on YouTube. Um... It just, yeah, it's time. Infinite Wealth is about out, and we, we just need to get that done, and then we'll start talking about what else we're going to do next. Uh, in my head, I've been thinking a lot about Citizen Sleeper. Uh, Wilk started playing Paper Mario 
64, the original Paper Mario, uh, on his own, which that's fucking sick. And that is my favorite Nintendo game ever made. That's like a top five game for me. Um, I would also be down to do that. So we'll talk about that uh, probably after we get this Yakuza meetup. This long delayed Yakuza meetup. I thought we'd have this done like two months ago. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's talk about some games. Uh, I don't actually have like that much to talk about when it comes to games or at least anything new. Um, I'll just tell you right off the bat, the three main things I've been playing has been, or have been, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, What a Shock, uh, Octopath Traveler 2, What a Shock, and Cobalt Core, which, uh, I mentioned it very, very briefly, uh, two weeks ago on the Wife episode. I guess that's just, we're, we're just gonna call that episode the Wife episode now, um, that I had started playing Cobalt Core, so I guess let's start there. Um... I put a lot more time into it. At the time, I think I'd probably only done like three runs, maybe maybe four. Uh, at this point, I'd probably done over 15, would be my guess. Um, I guess I don't have that much to add to it, especially because like Seth talked about it on the Game of the Year episode, and it's, it's a really fucking good roguelite. It is a roguelite uh, deck builder strategy game with uh, a absolutely killer fucking soundtrack and um very cute like star fox-esque uh space animals piloting spaceships <laughs> um and then you yeah, have the characters you pick determine like what cards you you start with and, and that you get on your run and uh, you have those cards you play on your, like, you get a whole draw of cards each turn, and then you have a certain amount of energy, and you play those cards to either shoot at the enemy ship, or put shields up, or move, or whatever. There's all kinds of in-depth mechanics, especially when you start getting into the unlockable characters. Um, my favorite, by far, is books, but, uh, again, Seth talked a lot about this. They did a, um, a game of the, or not a game of the year, a um, indie showcase on uh, Cobalt Core last week on the All End podcast, the most recent episode as of the time of me recording this. Um, so if you want to hear more in depth stuff, I'd suggest go listening to that. He's put a lot more time into this than I have. Um, Books is by far my favorite, both character wise. She's like a cute little mole witch, alchemy lady that you meet out in space. Um, her like deck gimmick is that she adds like these crystals, which is like another resource that you manage. Um, and like, yeah, she has all these cards that do things on top of like giving you more crystals. And then she has cards that get powered up if you spend those crystals. Um, she's by far my favorite, again, both character wise and then also deck wise. I just think she's so cool. Uh, I, I love space alchemy wizard lady. Um, I also like Drake a lot, who has definitely replaced Perry. Perry's the rhino security officer, who's like one of your default three characters, like your basic three that the game teaches you how to play with. Um, she's your main offense person of those three, but Drake is like a bounty hunter lizard, um, mercenary lizard in most of their stuff involves heat. So like the, the the attacks that you're doing, most of them add heat to your ship. And when you have too much heat built up, you take damage, but there's all kinds of stuff you can do like spending heat, um, 
for bigger attacks. You can uh, expel heat to move freely without using any of your movement cards or, or building up movement. Um, the game is just really fucking good. I don't have anything else to say about it. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks if I'd put a little bit more time into it, it, it could have snuck onto my game of the year list. I'm not a hundred. I'm not as in love with the game as like Seth is, but I, I, I need to emphasize. I really like it a lot. And I think it's, I mentioned this briefly on the game of the year podcast, like 30 XX is hands down my favorite roguelite of 2023 that I've played. Um, but a lot, a lot of that is just because I love Mega Man X so much. Um, and Mega Man in general so much. Like, I appreciate that Cobalt Core is doing stuff that, like, I've never seen in the genre before. Uh, I'm not usually, like, a strategy person or a deck builder person. I do like them, but I don't play a lot of them. Um, and yeah, the builds that you can do in this game, not just, like, with specific characters, but with character combinations are so cool. Um, I think my favorite set of characters to go in with is um i think isaac is his name he's a goat which is which is sick he's also got like a holographic horn and arm i get i haven't as you beat the game you unlock more memories and, and learn about the characters and i don't know if that's going to be brought up why he has like a holographic horn and arm but it's cool uh his thing is that he puts out drones and so drones can attack for you they can give you more defense they can also get in the way of attacks for you and you can just like sacrifice a drone to like take a big hit for you um so isaac books and drake um that is such a cool combination to me i've had uh runs where i like i would get movement every turn because with that build that's kind of a big weakness is that you don't get a lot of cards that move your ship for you you get some but Often you're not going to run into that many because you don't have uh, Riggs, the pilot, with you. Um, I had a run where I was getting, like, from an artifact, I was getting movement, like, I think two movement every turn. Um, but I couldn't have more than three movements sort of at a time. But that coupled with, um, with the drones being able to take hits for me and stuff, I was, like, indestructible. And then I was doing so much damage. Uh... I think the coolest item in the game to me, or maybe coolest individual card, is the the Jupiter drone, which it's a, it's a normal drone, but it mimics everything you do or every card that you or I think every attack card that you play. So like if you get a card, you put the Jupiter drone out, and then you get a card that's like, hey, you you do five damage, and it it stuns that part of the ship. So if if you're cannon is facing an enemy cannon that's firing at you you do five damage and it also negates them doing anything that turn on that cannon uh the jupiter drone will also do that so if they're going to try and hit you with two cannons and the jupiter drone is placed correctly and you are placed correctly you can just negate the enemy's entire attack and do five damage on your move and do five damage with the jupiter drone insane i had a run where i had um I think it was like how many cards you have in your hand determines how much damage you do. And then I also had a card that like gave me like f like three or five cards or something. Like I, I got to draw like five cards already in my turn. So I had like 10 cards and then I uh, attacked and then the Jupiter drone on its turn also did 10 damage and attacked. It was insane, insanely cool. 
Um, I haven't even messed around yet with Max, the hacker. I've only used him like once. Um, I know Colin, who's been playing a lot more recently, he's really geeking out about Max in our group chat. Um, yeah, honestly, it's it's just such a fucking good game. Uh, I mentioned it a second ago, but yeah, the soundtrack, holy shit. Um, I don't think the soundtrack is kind of too bombastic and good a lot of the time for me to want to put it as break music, and I've already selected the break music this week. Maybe next week we'll have to put that as the break music. Um, Self-defense, the second boss fight. Holy shit, man. Holy shit. And then everything after that is also just incredible. Um, but yeah, there's so much I didn't even touch on, like different events. Like I think my favorite event to run into is um, a Slippy Toad stand-in from Star Fox. And the whole thing on the internet is that Slippy Toad's like an idiot that can't do anything right and can't defend himself. And this character... Uh, accidentally launched homing missiles on himself so the goal of it is you have to destroy these missiles before they destroy his ship and then you get a reward at the end uh that's my favorite that i've run into so far but i know seth has talked about like space draculas and stuff i've not even seen that stuff um yeah it's a really fucking good game um i would definitely recommend it like i said it probably would have snuck onto my top 10 list if i had put more time into it at the t- before the 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 deadline i think probably colin would say the same would be my guess so consider this your honorary like top 10th spot maybe even like number nine spot <laughs> uh as an addendum to our game of the year list uh cobalt core really really fucking good i'd recommend it to like just about anyone especially like if you like roguelites like faster paced roguelites like hades and stuff like I think this kind of does scratch a similar itch for me, especially Cobalt Core, because it's it has a genuinely interesting narrative that I think most uh, roguelites do not for me. Like, I love 30XX, but I don't give a fuck about like the narrative going on, if that makes sense. Um, so if the narrative was a big part of why you liked Hades, this could also work. And also, because this is turn-based, like, you can sit here and like you can spend 20 minutes on one turn if you want, just figuring out the ideal thing to do. And maybe I should do that more often and I would have less stupid deaths uh, due to me not realizing I could have done this order of things differently. But again, that's Cobalt Core. Uh, I'd highly, highly recommend it. And yeah, if you want to hear more in-depth talk about it, Seth and Eric over on the All In podcast did an indie showcase on it last week. Uh, Octopath Traveler 2. I've, again... The past couple of weeks have been kind of nutty, especially with my wife being off and stuff. So I didn't, I keep going through phases with this game where like I'll play a fuck ton one week and then the next week I won't touch it. That's kind of what happened with my wife being on vacation. I barely touched it. Um, I played a lot the past like three days. Um, I, I try not look too many things up while playing games nowadays unless like there's just something I feel like I really need to know. Uh, in this case with Octopath, I was concerned about missing out on some of the secret jobs because I'd run into one secret job early and that's it. So I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to miss out on, on this because uh, that secret job I found I really like. Um, so I was looking something up about that and accidentally realized that I think I'm closer to the end of the game than I think. I'm like near, excuse me, damn hiccups. Ah, um, I'm near 50 hours in. So maybe it shouldn't surprise me that I'm nearer to the end than I thought. 
Um, but also, like, it doesn't feel like I've played 50 hours, like, truly. Uh, I really fucking like this game a lot. Again, this probably would have risen up higher on my list if I had gotten further in it before our deadline for making our Game of the Year lists. Um, I've completed, I think, every character's Chapter 3 now, except for Egnia. And I think each character has four chapters, and then there must be some final thing so yeah I, i'm in the last like quarter of the game now and i think i could start doing some of the chapter fours so the thing that i was concerned about with this game is that you the character that you sucked first in my case temenos uh you can't ever get them out of the party like the rest of your party you're supposed to be switching them out because they don't level when they're not in the party um which is normally a pet peeve for me with rpgs but in this case i think i'm okay with it um, so Temenos is like level 48, but everyone else is like low to mid thirties because he's been in literally every fight in the game. Um, and I'm still kind of confused about like what my level should be at. So like I did a thing last night, I did Particio's chapter three last night, which again, Particio continues to be the coolest character in the game, bar none. Um, and like. It was recommended level 34 or 35. And I th again, Temenos is level 48 or whatever. And everyone else is at least level 34. But I think most of them were higher, like 36 or 37. I That was a huge struggle. And again, I don't know if I'm just... I've specced someone wrong or people aren't equipped properly or whatever. But that fight was genuinely really fucking difficult. That, that, it took me over half an hour. Uh, my wife went to go take a shower when I started the fight and she came out and I was still like the enemy had only just gone into the yellow, meaning he's like over half dead. Um, not, not necessarily a huge fan of that aspect of the game, but again, I don't know if that's me doing something wrong and it probably is. Um, but yeah, uh, I got a ship, uh, Particio, uh, his, his merchant mercantile skills. We found a ship and convinced the lady to sell us her ship so I can get to a bunch of cool places. Now, uh, I discovered that on accident, I had no idea that there was any kind of world map exploration in this game. It makes me wonder if there's an airship or something. Um, but I found out that the ship is how you have to get to one of the secret jobs, but I don't know because I think based on the text, when I try to, to get to this Island, uh, I think there's a secret boss fight and the game is warning me that like the highest level of danger is being sensed and based on the fact that I could barely beat some asshole with a steam engine uh, last night, I don't know if I'm ready to fight some weird eldritch secret boss or whatever. Um, but yeah, Octopath is awesome. I really fucking love it. It's a really, really, really good game. Again, the further in I get, the more and more impressed I get with just how open it is. Can't be stated enough. I know I say it on the podcast like every week, but hey, it's been a couple weeks since you've heard me <laughs> say something like this. So Octopath 2, Octopath Traveler 2, it's really open and it's really good. Uh, lastly, let's talk about some Baldur's Gate real quick. Um, I don't want to go too, too in-depth. I mentioned on the Game of the Year podcast that I just randomly started a Sorcerer playthrough uh still not done with any of our other files uh i think me and my wife we literally have nothing to do except go fight the final boss uh, and we're just kind of putting it off because like it 
kind of is making us sad. Like, our quest log is basically empty besides, like, four things that are all pertaining to <laughs> finishing the game. Uh, but yeah, I started a sorcerer. Um, that's been fun. Sorcerer kind of works not too, not too dissimilar to wizard, except that you all, on top of, like, magic or spell slots, you also have sorcerer points that you can spend. And so sorcerer points can, like, modify... Um, spells or cantrips that you're casting. So, like, one of the ones I took was you double up on... If you spend a sorcerer point, you can double up on your spells. As in, like, if I'm targeting an enemy with, uh, say, Witch Bolt, for instance, which just unleashes lightning out of my hands and attaches to an enemy, if I spend a sorcerer point, I can do it to two enemies at the same time on one turn, and it just costs... The same amount of uh, spell slots as normal, and then also uh, sorcerer points, depending on what level of the spell I'm casting. Uh, that's cool, and then after every spell that I cast, not cantrip, but spell, I can uh, fly freely, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, I don't think I find it as fun as like Wizard or Warlock. I think it's probably my least favorite of like the the magic focus classes so far, but it's really neat. Um, I did, however, respect my Matt Murado build, my bard and warlock combination. Uh, I just happened again. I've not looked up that much about Baldur's Gate uh, prior to this point, And I still haven't looked up that much, but I, I'd mentioned, I don't know, like a month ago on the podcast, I was doing uh, a bard and warlock combination and I, I was playing it like ha I was like level, level I don't know six bard and four warlock or something like that or maybe swapped, um, and it wasn't feeling good. And then in my YouTube recommendations, I don't know where I had someone recommending a bard warlock or I had YouTube recommending a bard warlock build video, and I watched it and it sounded insane. It's also only like level two warlock and then level ten bard, and yeah, I think it might be my favorite build that I've played in this game now, even more than my monk, which I really do love the monk. Um, it is so fucking sick. <laughs> uh, it kind of is based around you're casting hex and then casting eldritch blast is like your bread and butter, but you can also throw in darkness. So like when you're picking like special warlock traits, I'd never picked it before until now, but you can like do one where you can see in darkness, even like magical darkness. So it's like you put yourself in a cloud of like magical darkness that normally would be bad, but like uh, projectiles can't hit you in there. And like for enemies to have any chance of attacking you, they have to come into there. But more enemies than not are going, or the vast majority of enemies are going to have disadvantage going in there, but you will not. So like enemies are going to come looking for you in the darkness, but it doesn't matter. You're just going to keep fucking blasting them with magic or eldritch blast or whatever. Oh, it is so fucking cool. I have been blasting through Act 3 uh, with my bard lock. Um, now that I now that I have that respect happening. Um, it's so good it makes me like, oh fuck, I miss playing like the rest of the game with this cool combination of things, you know. Um, I don't want to make another new character, but... Uh, maybe I'll save that for, like, another co-op run with my wife or something. But, yeah, uh, Baldur's Gate, man. We talked about it on the Game of the Year podcast. Not as much as we should have. It should have been number one. I don't care. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom sucks. Eat it, haters. No, just kidding. That was my number two. Uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Baldur's Gate continues to be incredible, and like I said, the pull it has over me and my wife is such that like we're scared to finish the game because it's gonna be like something is missing from our lives at that point. Even though we've already started another co-op run in the uh, tactician mode, uh, but yeah, I can't praise that game enough. Eventually, we'll stop talking about this game probably by the time Elden Ring DLC comes out, uh, but. We're not going to start talking about that game yet. You're going to hear about this on the podcast for at least another couple months, would be my guess. Um, lastly, uh, or actually, no, two things. I am reviewing another game for Jason. Uh, I literally cannot talk about it. Um, I think he said it's under embargo till the 23rd. Um, so I imagine that review will just go up <laughs> on the 23rd. Uh, assuming Jason likes it, I guess. I haven't sent anything over. Um, and then we'll talk about it next week. I don't think it's going to be anything that interests uh, anyone in here or anyone that listens to this in particular. But just as a heads up, there will be another written review for me coming next week. Um, lastly, lastly, Pokemon Concierge on my wife's vacation. We did finally watch all of Pokemon Concierge. We'd watched the first episode, um, like the day it dropped or the day after it dropped, and then just didn't find the time to watch the rest, despite the fact that it's only four episodes and each one is only like 15 minutes. Uh, my wife in particular, she, she does like needle felt stuff. Like she loves doing that herself. Um, she's made like animal crossing and dragon quest characters out of the needle felt. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, so to see like stop motion animation of Pokemon in needle felt, yeah, it's, it's just, it's adorable to look at. The, the The vibes are right. The tropical vibes are right. Um, and yeah, man, that last episode fucked us up. <laughs> we were sitting there, not full on crying or anything. Uh, and it's not like a sad, it's not sad. It's, it's, it's sweet. It's just very sweet. Um, yeah, that last episode got us. I won't spoil anything, I'm sure. Probably anyone that was interested in watching it that listens to this podcast has already listened to it. Uh, but if not, please go watch Pokemon Concierge. It's genuinely very good. Um, way better than it probably should, honestly. I kind of feel like that about like all of the Pokemon like animation projects going on right now. Like, Why do the mainline games suck so much, but everything surrounding Pokemon is so good? Uh, Pokemon Concierge was so good, it made my wife... She's just like, man, I just want to play a fucking Pokemon game right now. But like, I've played all the mainline ones, and m most of them on Switch suck. Um, she really wants to get, uh, the Pokemon mystery dungeon game on switch. That's like a remake of the original, but, uh, she doesn't want to pay $60 for it. And I think that game is probably out of print and it's like five years old at this point. So it's like impossible to find without paying full price. Um, I told her maybe she should just replay uh, let's go Eevee. Cause I genuinely think that's kind of the best Pokemon game on switch <laughs> at this point. Uh, or she does have, she never finished Pokemon Mystery Dungeon on the 3DS. I forget which one. Uh, she opted for none of those things and instead downloaded that Pokemon Cafe remix on Switch, that free-to-play uh, mobile touchscreen only puzzle game. She's having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I can't really do a proper wife watch on it because it's handheld only. I, she's not playing on the TV because she can't. Um, what I've seen of it, it's very good. The art style is extremely cute. 
even like the non-cute Pokemon that are in there that have been done in this Pokemon cafe style are very good. Like Lucario. I'm, I'm not the biggest Lucario fan, but I really like how he looks <laughs> in the cafe remix uh, art style. Um, I will say the microtransaction stuff seems very egregious and that's a bummer. Um, it, you know, I remember the times when like all Nintendo free to play games, uh, came with an option to like, Hey, you could just spend 20 bucks and just unlock everything. Now I understand Pokemon. The Pokemon company is not Nintendo and that they put their own games out especially when it comes to, like the mobile games and stuff like Nintendo probably has like basically nothing to do with it. Um, but it still sucks. You can spend like 80 bucks at once and get like however many, whatever points in here, cafe points. I don't fucking know. Um, it's just a fucking bummer, man, because like this is designed for kids. You know, it's not like at least something with like clash Royale or whatever the fuck these awful mobile games are. You know, those are explicitly designed for adults, even though they might also appeal to kids. I'm not saying that kids don't play those games, but at least you have the cover of like, yeah, but the game wasn't intended for kids. There's no fucking way Pokemon Cafe Remix is not intended for children with how simple it is and like how cute and whatever the art style is. Um, There are definitely not that many like adult male Pokemon fans playing this, right? I mean, maybe that's a generalization, but... You know, I think it's cute, and the puzzle element actually looks pretty decent, and I'm still not that interested. Um, but it sucks in games designed for kids. It's like, hey, pay us $80. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh, it's just such a fucking bummer. I really hate modern gaming. Uh, it's been so long since we've done this podcast, we don't even get to talk about all, all the shitty all the layoffs that have already happened this year and stuff, and we're not going to because it's already... We, we, there's too much news to get through and I don't want to cover other stuff when we get to that stuff. But anyway, the game industry fucking sucks. Microtransactions fucking suck, especially in games explicitly designed for kids to appeal to kids and be played by kids. Yeah, it just sucks. The idea of like, hey kids, spend $80 and get Ditto or whatever the fuck, get Pachirisu. Um, yeah, uh, my wife, I, again, I, I, I haven't been able to watch her play that much of it. Um, like, yeah, she gets excited. Like, she got Togepi. She, she loves Togepi. She's like, oh, yay. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to spend money to get that. Uh, yeah, me too, dear. Me too. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's going to be it for the games. Um, let's take our break and get to the news. Uh, we got a lot of news, actually. Not, not anything super interesting, I think, but enough to talk about. So... Let's take our break, and we'll see you on the other side.
And we are back. I'm going to break the illusion a little bit. I didn't really go on that much of a break. I basically just got water <laughs> and inserted the break music in. Um, normally, what happens is I, I get a snack, and then I figure out what I want the break music to be. Um, normally, it is based off of like something I've talked about <laughs> uh, in the first chunk of the episode. Um, in this case, I just, I've just i been watching a lot of GDQ uh AGDQ 2024 is going on this week, and I happened to watch a good chunk of the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door uh, speedrun, and that made me listen to a lot of the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door soundtrack this past week, and I just, I really love that uh, Excess Express at Dusk song, so we, we threw that in there. It's really good. Um, but yeah, since I... I'm not hungry. I didn't need to get a song or anything. I uh, I refilled on water, went to the bathroom, and then just came back here. It's been like two minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about some news, I guess. Um, let's start with some smaller things. Um, the first thing is the Transylvania Adventure of Simon Quest is announced, or was announced. I think that was like Saturday or something. Uh, this looks fucking great. Uh, I would highly recommend watching a trailer. Uh, again, that is the Transylvania Adventure of Simon Quest. Um, this is very clearly just from the title alone. It is a Castlevania Two Simon's Quest um, homage slash. I don't know if I want to say spiritual successor, but it definitely is taking a lot of inspiration from Castlevania 2, which is cool. Um, I think Castlevania 2 is highly, highly, highly underrated. And I think a big part of that is the stupid angry video game nerd or angry Nintendo nerd back then. Um, his very first video was a Castlevania 2 video. Um, and then it became this thing where like people don't understand that he's it's a bit and that he's, he's playing an angry video game nerd and he's exaggerating how mad he is about certain aspects of Castlevania 2 that haven't aged well or were never great to begin with. Um, and, and he, guys, he's hyperbolic. He's not actually, like, there's an actual, like, bull taking diarrhea dumps on cartridges in his house. You know that, right? R right? Um, but anyway, yeah, again, it's the continuing theme of gamers on the internet have no media literacy or I guess people in general just don't have media literacy these days and they never understood that it was just like a bit and so now like the running gag has become like oh yeah Castlevania 2 is horrible like, no Castlevania 2 kind of fucking rules in a lot of ways uh I would say it's like a, it's kind of the first I don't want to say it's the first metroidvania in general, because I don't know that for sure, but it's definitely the first Metroidvania from entry from the Castlevania series. Um, and you see a lot of ideas here that were built upon for Symphony of the Night in a lot of ways. Um, it shares a lot in common with Zelda 2 on the NES, which I also think is similarly extremely underrated. Um, yeah, man, I don't know, this This Transylvania Adventure of Simon Questions looks great. It's taking a lot of, like I said, inspiration from Castlevania 2, but also just from, like, Castlevania the series in general. 
like the main character, I guess, Simon Quest. Uh, he's like doing a lot of sliding and like acrobatics and stuff in this, which feels like a lot of references to Rondo of Blood, which is uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which is my pick for best Castlevania game, like period. Not just like old school Castlevania, but like I'm counting Symphony of the Night and stuff in that too. I, I truly think Rondo of Blood is the best Castlevania game. Um, but yeah, this is all in like 8-bit style. Uh, it, it just looks really good. I think it had like a release year of 2025, so we're nowhere close to this thing or whatever. But yeah, it's just something to keep your eyes on because I think it looked really great, especially if you like um, 8-bit style action games. Um, I will say it is going for like a humorous tone and that kind of stuff doesn't always work for me. In fact, more often than not, it falls completely on its face for me. We'll see here. Uh, the rest of the game looks so good that I don't inherently mind. Um, there was a sign that said something like no Dracula's allowed, which I, I kind of like that. I do. There is humor value in um, just plural version of, of the word Dracula, right? Uh, I think that's pretty good. But yeah, humor in games like this don't often really work for me. Like, I, I really hate, like, the guacamelee sense of humor and stuff, but um, this looks really fucking good. The fact that I'm willing to overlook any concerns I have about the humor to be like, hey, this game looks great, uh, should tell you a lot. Um, I also, I think Justin said he had concerns uh, as someone that doesn't play a lot of Castlevania games because of how hard the old school ones were, uh, that he's worried about that. I mean, yeah, it could be. I have no idea. I don't know if the developer has said what they're intending to do with the difficulty level and stuff like that. Castlevania 2 specifically is quite easy. Um, I think the idea of it at the time was like it's so exploration-based that that is the, meant to be the challenge. And it, that was so new at the time, relatively speaking, especially on console uh, games. So I, the actual combat is kind of like nothing in Castlevania 2, but that's also kind of why I like it. Um, it just feels so different from like anything else in the series and like most things on the NES at the time. It almost feels like more like an actual adventure. Like, yeah, getting to your where you need to go is half the struggle and like gathering information and stuff is half the struggle. I guess that, that would be full struggle at that point. You know what I mean. Uh, the non-combat stuff is like half the struggle and appeal of the game. And yeah, I, I think Castlevania 2 rules. Um, I don't think that many like 8-bit games would make great games club sessions at this point. I mean, we did do the Zelda Oracle games, but also those were from... Those are like 15 years uh, younger <laughs> than Castlevania 2, you know? Like genuine, like actual NES era video games i don't think many would suit games club the games club format and also like the taste of the people on our discord i actually think castlevania 2 would actually fit both of those things at least a little bit um I, i'm not saying we're gonna do it i don't think i could convince anyone but i'm castlevania 2 kind of fucking rules and it's kind of relaxing and interesting in a way it does have some issues but anyway that's the Transylvania adventure of Simon Quest. Take a look at the trailer. I think it looks pretty fucking good. Um, next, we got Foam Stars. Uh, we talked about Foam Stars, I think, maybe on like the first episode or the second episode of this very podcast. 
I think that was right when Sony had a PlayStation Direct or whatever they're fucking called. I know PlayStation ones are called something different, but who cares? Um, and there was a Foam Stars trailer, and like I think maybe the beta was going on at the time. I never got around to downloading the beta. Uh, Foam Stars is like Square Enix publishing a Splatoon like. Um, from what I've seen of it, I think it genuinely has cool ideas. Uh, the main thing being that it's foam and not ink. So like you can make structures out of it. Like you can like alter the geometry of the environment by using foam. I think that's kind of neat in a way that Splatoon doesn't do anything with. Um, I guess they do a little, they have like those sponge walls that you like fill up with ink and, and make the sponge grow. It's like, there's a tiny bit of that, but it's like on a level by level basis and it's not like a focus at all. So I think like, I don't know, a different take on Splatoon, but still going with a, a, a similar vibe. I think it's actually a good idea, especially because Splatoon is only on Nintendo consoles. Um, so Foam Stars got announced, or it got announced that Foam Stars is releasing on February sixth, and it's the same, uh, or rather, it is coming out on PlayStation Plus. So for free for people that have PlayStation Plus it is available for free on day one. Um, that's good. I think that game was being massively overlooked and kind of shit on by Nintendo fans, just because it dares to like take a similar idea. Um, which I'm, I'm not going to get into all the gamer baby shit. I'm trying to avoid... That's my New Year's resolution. Avoid the gamer babies. Um, I think the game looks solid. That said, like, I don't know if it was the same day or, like, the next day or whatever. Square was like, oh, also, yeah, some assets in Foam Stars uh, were made with AI. So, yeah, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fucking with this game um, at this point. Uh, again, I don't think it's. I don't think the game was like looking to be amazing or anything. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this was going to be the next Splatoon. I highly, highly doubt that for a variety of reasons. Um, what is upsetting about this? I mean, beyond generally, just AI is upsetting in general. AI uh, generated art is horrible. Please don't do it, you fucking idiot. Please just. And I say this not to game developers because I know no game developers listen to this, or I assume no developers listen to this, but. I'm specifically talking about, like, people in, like, I don't know, the podcasting space. Please. Like, there's no quicker way for me to, like, just immediately discredit you and in my head uh, and just stop listening to you than, like, we're going to do AI-generated art stuff. Now, and again, I want to emphasize, I think there is a place for AI-generated stuff. I, I'm not 1,000% against all of it in all shapes and sizes and i do think ai is going to be it is impossible for it to not be like a tool going forward this isn't a fad like nfts were like this is as far as i can tell this is going to be the future like there's no real way of stopping it um that said like a company like square enix like you're telling me you can't afford to hire people or pay artists that you employ to come up i don't know if they specifically said what assets were made my assumption would be probably like um like in-game like environmental assets would be my guess but i don't know i don't know if they specifically said anything or if it's actual hey no we made like character art with ai i've got no idea but um 
Like I said, this instantly poisoned the well. I will not. I will not be checking this out. I will not even claim it. I claim like every PlayStation Plus game. I will not claim this. Um, it to me, it's the fact that it's specifically coming from Square Enix, one of the biggest publishers in the world. This is borderline like, hey, if Final Fantasy VII Rebirth wasn't out in like a month and I hadn't already pre-ordered it, like I might be talking about like not buying more Square Enix games at this point, <laughs> despite the fact that like. You know, we spent like I don't know how many minutes talking about Octopath Two earlier in the podcast, which is a Square Enix game. Um, just don't do this shit. There's no reason. I, I mean, I know the reason is theoretically cutting costs or whatever, because why should we pay people to to do things when we can just <laughs> generate them with a shitty AI? Um, you know the answer to that. And if you really don't, then I you, I guess you need to do some soul searching. But anyway, that's Foam Stars. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm going to actively not promote it on the podcast anymore. Uh, that shit just sucks. Uh, Golden Sun, both Golden Sun and Golden Sun: The Lost Age. I think that's what the second one is called. They are now on the Game Boy Advance Nintendo Switch Online app. Meaning, if you have Nintendo Switch Online and pay for the expansion pack, that sounds really complicated. Um, you can play Golden Sun and Golden Sun Two. On your Switch, and that's cool. Um, can we sit back and talk about it for a second? So I played the first game when I was a kid. The, this was one of the first Game Boy Advance games I remember owning. I think I owned Mario Advance, which was the Game Boy Advance port of Mario Brothers 2. I owned Wario Land 4. And I think Golden Sun was my third Game Boy Advance game. Uh, I don't think I ever beat it. I would. The fact that I don't remember tells me that no, I probably did not beat it. Um, I always thought it was cool. And again, I think for the time having like, you know, part of the appeal of Pokemon, we, we keep talking about Pokemon on this fucking podcast, but my wife and I have been talking a lot about Pokemon because of con- concierge. And also we were watching, uh, Pokemon crystal randomizer speed run on GDQ this week too. Um, part of the appeal about Pokemon back then when it was on game boy and I was a kid is it felt like you had a whole little world in your pocket. Um, to me, that was also like what was exciting about Golden Sun when it was new. Um, the problem is nowadays, like, hey, you can literally have a system in your pocket that plays Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the same anymore because of how far like tech has advanced, even in the mobile space. I'm not saying that Golden Sun can't be good or whatever anymore, but like. I didn't realize how much people freak the fuck out about Golden Sun until this past week. Like, people are fucking crying on the internet. People are, like, talking about these like they're fucking masterpieces. My <laughs> my impression of Golden Sun, even as, like, a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, however old I was when I played this, was like, yeah, this is a pretty good RPG on my Game Boy Advance with high production values for the time and not, not a lot else going on. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, it seems like the younger you are when you play Golden Sun, the cooler you think it is, which I guess that's probably the same. The same can be said for a lot of things, even Pokemon. But man, I, I, I didn't realize how much people fucking, I don't know. I don't want to say cream their jeans, but I guess we already said it. So cream their jeans over Golden Sun. Um, 
like I, I'm hearing from people. I saw people on Facebook that I haven't talked to in like a decade be like, oh man, I can play Golden Sun again. Like what? Also, like, does that mean like you like do you already own the expansion pack or are you getting the expansion pack paying like 60 bucks for years access just to golden sun and golden sun two. It's interesting to me. I'm not trying to criticize or whatever. I genuinely didn't know that golden sun, the series was as revered as it is. Well, I guess I shouldn't say as a series cause I know they made a third game on the DS and no one liked it or something. Um, one of my best friends growing up, like he was like, yeah, golden sun. Like, those are two of, like, my favorite games ever. And I was just sitting there like, what? I didn't know anyone held that opinion. Um, I knew Isaac, the main character of the first Golden Sun, and I think he's also a pretty big deal in the second one. Uh, there was a big push to get him in Smash. He was an assist trophy in Brawl. I don't think he ever came back as an assist trophy in 4 or Ultimate. I could be wrong about that, though. I'm not up-to-date on my assist trophies. Um, but beyond that, I I had no idea that these games were as beloved as they are, but I guess I should figure, I should basically figure from the people aged like 28 to like 37 at this point, any Game Boy Advance game is probably the fucking best game ever made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, again, not trying to make fun of it. If you like Golden Sun, that's great. Uh, I liked it as a kid too. I just, I'm not like... I don't know. I was never super compelled to go back and revisit them. And I have a hunch. I haven't, despite how excited people seem to be about it a week ago, I don't see anyone talking about them now. So I don't know if maybe people are just so busy being enraptured by golden sun that they don't have time to talk about golden sun on the internet now. I don't know, but, uh, I'm just saying, I haven't heard anyone say anything about how, actually good golden sun is after they've played it on the switch in 2024 but hey it's cool it's cool that it's available i will never say no to more game boy advance games on the switch like i said earlier in the or i don't know like a month or two ago i didn't renew my expansion pack and i'm still not really tempted to the biggest thing that would get me to come back at this point is if we end up doing paper mario 64 for games club and then i would replay that game again even though i just replayed it on the switch like a year ago uh, next, Elden Ring DLC trailer seems to be approaching. Uh, there's not much to talk about here beyond f uh, Elden Ring. It's more Elden Ring. Um, the Steam database was updated with like an item that people can't see. And I think they're saying it's the first time it's been updated in the Elden Ring database has been updated in like over a year or something. And then yesterday... I saw uh, people on recent era losing their minds that the official Elden Ring or Namco YouTube account that the, the Elden Ring playlist was edited for the first time in nearly a year, meaning that, yeah, there there's probably like an unlisted video. Um, if that's the case, if, if, if it's not something more innocuous or dumb than that, I would imagine next week probably we'd see Elden Ring DLC trailer, which, yeah, about time. Uh, people keep talking about like, oh, they're going to have it ready to go for the two year anniversary of the game, which would be in February, I think late February. Um, I don't know if I believe that, but that would be cool. Uh, it would actually, it wouldn't be because yeah, like I said, said countless times on this podcast, I'm so su super jacked for final fantasy seven rebirth. 
and that is also late February. So I kind of actually don't want Elden Ring DLC coming out at the same time as Rebirth, but if they do, I'd probably—I guess I could probably prioritize the uh, Elden Ring DLC because it would be shorter, I assume. Then again, two years for a DLC is pretty pretty long at this point. Uh, but that said, it's very telling that like I'm not a big DLC person. If if your DLC is like even a, more than a few months out, I'm kind of like not that interested anymore. Whereas this has been two years, I'm like, yeah, give me fucking Elden Ring DLC. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. Obviously, this is my game of the year, 2022. Uh, it is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, it's no Baldur's Gate, but what is really? Next, Xbox stuff. Uh, Xbox had an Xbox Direct last night, which I gotta say, uh, normally Xbox stuff is so fucking boring, and I, I, at best I'm like leaving it on uh, in the background while I do something else. Uh, no, me and my wife actually watched this whole thing uh, with dinner last night. Um, I guess we'll start with Indiana Jones and the Great Circle, because that was definitely the most like it was definitely the most hyped thing going into this since they hadn't shown anything on it prior besides announcing it. Um, yeah, they're making a first person or mostly first person Indiana Jones game. They is in machine games, the uh, studio that made the most recent couple of Wolfenstein games. Uh, I don't have much to say about it except that it, it looks pretty fucking good. Uh, I, I don't care about Indiana Jones. I'd never watched any of the movies until I lived with my wife. She was big on them when she was a kid and she had me watch, I couldn't even tell you which one she had me watch. The one here, I'm going to try and describe an Indiana Jones movie. The one where his dad is kidnapped and they're looking for the, the Holy Grail. It's not called Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail, right? That sounds dumb. And Sean Connery gets kidnapped and then he dies in a cave and there's a knight there and he drinks from the Holy Grail and his dad said, which one's that? Whatever one that one is, I watched that. Um, and then it was a Temple of Doom we watched. That one was sick because uh, I think all the time about how much people complain about uh, Crystal Skull and how he survived a nuclear blast by hiding in a fridge or whatever. And then the nuclear blast like blew the fridge like a billion miles away. And, and then he survived... Uh, and people complain about how unrealistic it is. But, like, in both of these movies, it's super goofy, <laughs> over-the-top, like, unrealistic bullshit happening all the time. In uh, Temple of Doom, at one point, they they jump out of a helicopter, like, in an inflatable raft, and then they surf down, like, a mountain in it. Like, okay. Again, I think that's cool. And again, I've never seen Crystal Skull, and I don't care, because I just don't care about Indiana Jones too much. Uh, but shut the fuck up. Like, there, again, I, I maybe I should see Crystal Skull before I say it. Maybe there's something egregious about, like, the tone or something of how that scene is handled. I doubt it. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a bunch of fucking dorks that can't handle the fact that they've aged 30 years um, complaining about something. But heaven forbid you go back and reanalyze the movies that you liked as a kid. We can only be critical of new movies that are not the movies we watched when we were kids. Uh, anyway, that Indiana Jones games game looked pretty good. Um, I'm not like jacked about it or whatever. I'll also say 
I liked. Uh, I didn't play both of the Wolfenstein games. I played New Colossus. That was the second one, I think. Um, the story was incredible, and the tone and the cutscene direction insane. That scene where there's like a sniper. You're pinned down by snipers, but you're playing cards and drinking, and there's like improvisational jazz flute going on. Incredible, <laughs> incredible shit. Uh, yeah, I I liked the new Colossus new Colossus a lot uh, from a story perspective, but from a gameplay perspective, I thought it honestly kind of sucked. So I don't know how I feel about this, like from a gameplay perspective, but maybe. Maybe them focusing less on combat and doing more exploration and puzzle solving stuff. Um, if it's done well, maybe that'll be to the benefit of the game. Also, I love whips. Okay, hold on. Let me back. I love whips in video games. I promise I'm not a weirdo. Well, I am, but not that kind of weirdo. Um, we talked about Castlevania for a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I love using whips in video games. One of my favorite Elden Ring runs was using whips. Sorry, I think there's someone shoveling right outside. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I thought the combat looked neat and interesting. Like you're using fists and whips. Also, you have revolvers and stuff. Um, it is mostly first person, but then the camera that kind of comes out of you and it becomes third person when you're doing like traversal stuff, which is neat. Uh, yeah, I, I think it looks good. I'm not like real, real stoked about it or anything, but, um, yeah, I think it looks neat. Next up, we got a vowed from obsidian. Um, not to keep saying things look neat. I thought this looked neat. <laughs> um, you know, over the couple past couple of years, I've gotten way more interested in playing like games with a lot of magic focus. That's largely my wife's influence on me. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought this looked good. I've never played an obsidian game. Um, I know that they are very like dialogue and like branching dialogue path focused. Um, I liked, um, this world and stuff that they seem to have going. I like that you can do combination of like magic and sword and gun stuff. Um, this is in the same universe as like pillars of eternity. I think they said, which again, never played those, but I'm way more tempted to try and look into stuff like that. Now, uh, that I love Baldur's gate so much. Uh, I'll be honest. I was finishing cooking dinner while this one was going. So I didn't actually get to see that much of it. Uh, but from what I saw of it, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, I guess to give you any kind of description, it looks kind of Skyrim-ish. Uh, I, that's not to be reductive or dismissive, but it's a first person like, uh, magic and, 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 and swords and sorcery, uh, game, I guess, fantasy game. Uh, but yeah, the, it looked good. I didn't even know that this was announced or existed. I will say the key art is a fucking banger, uh, after banger. Uh, just go look it up. Look it up. Look up uh, avowed game cover art. It's like a skeleton, and there's like plants grown out of him, or something. I don't know. It looks fucking sick as hell. I don't know if that's key art or box art or what. It looks awesome. Uh, Visions of Mana got a deeper look, and it is releasing in summer, at least as of right now. Uh, we talked about this, me and my wife, uh, on the episode two weeks ago. I think I talked about it on the Game Awards episode also. Um, yeah, they're really leaning into like the secret of mana, um, nostalgia. Nah, nostalgia isn't the right word, but like, again, my wife and I talked about it. Like, they know 
that people love Secret of Mana the most, and they should make another one of those, at least like tonally and visually and stuff. And yeah, they really seem to be doing that. Um, they have the, the you have a mount in this that like it looks kind of like a fox, but I think they're saying it's it's based off of like a Shiba Inu or something or a Shih a Shih Tzu I think. Um, I think they're called pickles. That's p i p i k u l s pickles. Um, they look awesome. Uh, creature design in Mana games is fucking awesome. They had like the original director of Secret of Mana on, who also did a lot of the creature design on the older games. Uh, he also looked like a Yakuza boss, uh, like he's a big old like sheen, sheeny leather jacket going on. Um, he looks like. When I say a Yakuza boss, I mean like an actual real-life Yakuza boss, but also a boss from the Yakuza series. Um, like, a big running joke with Yakuza is that, like, dudes, like, rip their shirts off, and even if they're, like, 60 years old and their face is all, like, kind of chubby-looking, they're just extremely fucking built <laughs> under there and they beat your ass. Uh, this dude, the Secret of Mana creator... Looks like he could rip his shirt off in a Yakuza game and he'd be tatted up on his back and he'd just beat my fucking ass. He'd be like throwing motorcycles and stuff at me. Um, yeah, Visions of Mana looks great. Uh, I know when the game was first revealed at the Game Awards, people were concerned the combat looked too slow. And I, I did agree that the combat looked a little slow at the time. Um, it wasn't like concerning to me. Uh, they showed a little bit more of the combat, and it looks like aerial combos and stuff is a big part of it, so that's probably why the combat is a bit slowed down. Um, it does remind me a lot of the Trials of Mana remake from a few years ago on Switch, which, again, mentioned that on a previous podcast. Uh, it just looks way higher budget and stuff. But yeah, I, it looks fucking awesome. Uh, it was just so nice to see in like high-fidelity modern graphics like the Rabbites and like the little mushroom dudes in this... Um, there's like a baby Flammy, Flammy being like the, the, the dragon that acts as like your airship transportation in Secret of Mana. Um, they got a little mini baby Flammy in this. I don't know if it's actually related to Flammy, but it looks exactly like Flammy. I'm just gonna keep saying Flammy, 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 Flammy. Uh, yeah, that game looks awesome. That's definitely up my list of like most anticipated games this year. Uh, I might hold off on getting it on PlayStation this summer to wait and see, if it comes to Switch 2, because I, I would just rather play just about anything on handheld at this point in my life. Uh, next up, Senua's Saga Hellblade 2 is out May 21st. It finally got a release date. I feel like they've been fucking talking about this game since like 2019. I think that's not a joke. <laughs> I think if it wasn't 2019, it's probably 2020 that we've been hearing about this game. Um, I never played the first Hellblade. Uh, it looked, it always looked really interesting and cool to me, not just from like a visual and technical perspective, but like how it's about like, you know, like mental health and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I think this game, like, again, from a technical perspective, this game looks fucking incredible. It's wild. What games can do nowadays. Um, I think they also confirmed after the fact that it is, a $50 digital only release and it's about eight hours long. So I, again, I have no problem with any of that. We're not going to get into the digital only baby gamers talk today. Like I said, we're not doing it. Um, I do think, uh, it's kind of a shame that like Hellblade is being like marketed on the same level as 
like uh, the, as Indiana Jones and Avowed and like other Microsoft first party games. Not because I don't think it, it's like worthy of that, but because like it just feels like this game has kind of been thrust into a position it was never meant to. Uh, like yeah, this isn't like another like triple A. I mean, it is triple A production value, but this isn't like a big open world. Uh, or even semi-open world, like God of War thing, you know, you might think that if you just watched the trailers or whatever, but it's not that at all. And I don't know, I, I just, I feel kind of bad for the game. I almost kind of feel bad for the developer that it, it feels like it's being pushed as something that it's not. So it, it'll sell well. I hope it does sell well. Um, I feel like Ninja Theory, the developers, I don't know, I feel like they... They have they've been given such a short stick in in a lot of cases. Uh, again, we keep talking about the baby gamers, but they are the ones that made the Devil May Cry reboot for um, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 back in like what 2012 or something like that. Uh, now, to be fair, I didn't play that game until the the def definitive edition came out on PS4 a few years later. That game's genuinely pretty good. I'm not saying, like, combat-wise, that it's combat is as good as, like, Devil May Cry 5 or whatever. I'm not saying that. But, like, for what it is, it genuinely is, like, not bad. It, and I, in fact, go beyond that. It is genuinely, like, good. <laughs> I would say it even is doing some things better than Devil May Cry 5. I, I'm glad this podcast doesn't have that big of an audience <laughs> at this point because I don't want to hear... Weird Devil May Cry stands in here. Again, I do prefer Devil May Cry 5. I do think Devil May Cry 5 fucking rules. Uh, but DMC Devil May Cry, the reboot, is not nearly as bad as y'all make it out to be. At least, again, the definitive edition on PS4. Um, I understand the complaints, but Dante having black hair is not a, a valid complaint. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially in like a reboot universe, y'all are going to be fine. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, if I didn't make it clear, Senua Saga Hellblade 2 is made by the same developers as the DMC reboot. That's probably the thing they'll be known for for the rest of that studio's existence, for better or worse. Um, so I, I always wish them the best. It just feels like they got shit on and were given such an impossible task and a thankless one at that. Um, so I hope this does well for them. Uh, lastly, we had Aura Untold, or History Untold. Aura History Untold is out in the fall. And it is, a, it's, it is a spiritual successor to Civilization. It's done by a lot of the team that used to work at Firaxis, the people that made Civilization. I don't have much to say about it. I know the people that love Civilization fucking love Civilization. So, hey, that's cool that you're getting another one of these. I will say it seems like they really thought a lot about um, how to modernize the formula. Uh, they talked about, like, yeah keeping the pace of the game way higher and like being able to do turn simultaneously. I assume what that means is the player turn and also like CPU turns are also, I'm just, just see, I don't know anything about civilization. Are these games, do they have multiplayer support? Cause I guess that would also make sense taking those turns at the same time. Um, but yeah, it, it looked good. The, I will say the developers, like this video of the developers talking about their games, this is definitely the cutest of of the five videos that they showed here. Um, lady riding around a scooter at work. Also, she had a fucking hammock under her desk, and she was 
doing design work and laying in a hammock. That's sick. They had a lot of cute jokes going on. People uh, walking into camera to get a, a soda out of the vending machine while the recording is going on. It's, it's very cute. Um, I don't have much to say about Aura History Untold. It's out in the fall, apparently. Uh, but yeah, if you like civilization and slower pace, like strategy, stuff like that, I bet you you'll like this. Um, and again, I, I think I said at the start of, of the Xbox news, but I just want to say, do more shit like this, Xbox. Uh, this is way better than your fucking cringy-ass like, live presentations. This was so much better than like the PlayStation whatever, state of plays, that's what they're called. Like, it was the perfect amount of like giving context to the games that you're presenting and also like showing the humans that are the ones making your games. Cause I think that's such an issue in the modern gaming landscape. To be fair, I think we went through a period like the last decade, especially after Gamergate where like developers didn't want to be that front facing with their games, especially on like a triple a perspective. Like I think, I think, and for good reason, I think developers were scared. Um, like why should I, <laughs> have to go out and be the face of this game and also be the fall guy for this game, you know? So I get it, but I'm glad that this existed. This is a very cute presentation. This is definitely the best presentation Xbox has ever done. Um, so I appreciate them for that. I appreciate them like looking at this all and being like, Hey, we could do a different format for this than we usually do. And it was a huge success to me, at least is the perfect balance of showing gameplay to developer interviews Ugh, sorry, I okay. hiccup again. The hiccups just keep happening. They just keep, they just keep coming. They don't stop coming. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that's it. Um, we kind of blasted through the news quicker than I thought we would, but that's fine. Uh, now I am hungry, so it gives me an excuse to get off of here and get a snack. Um, but yeah, once again, as always, thanks for listening. We will be back next week with another weekly show. Um, and like I said, I, I want to try and get the Yakuza meetup done next week, but that's good to depend on schedules and whatnot. But that, that is the game plan right now. But anyway, have a good weekend, y'all. See you later. Bye.